0: I didn't understand that, but now I do. So there, we did Thanksgiving. It's over, all right, we're done. And it's home the next day and it's uh, back to our regular routines. Thanksgiving is uh, another, another year away and then we'll get together and do the same thing. Now you know that that is not a great picture of a Christian Thanksgiving, is it? Because our Thanksgiving is, according to the Bible, to take place continually over everything. I'm glad for whoever picked the song this morning, Uh, God's in control. God is God alone through the good and the bad, because I think that Thanksgiving should be done that way, and we're going to be talking about that this morning. It is not just uh, one day of the year. It is every day that we are going to give thanks to God. There's not a day goes by, unless we're in a coma, that we're not going to give thanks to God. And that's because we give thanks for everything whether it is good or bad, because all of it comes from the sovereign hand of the Lord. So uh, we'll look at some passages in scripture that remind us of that. Whether good or bad, we're going to give thanks to God for what he has done. And uh, I have in my life understood that you can tell the difference between a person who is uh, giving a very, very thankful response for something that you have done Or that it is a politeful, rather social uh, thankfulness that they give, maybe because they had to. And I just want to remind you at the outset, God knows what kind of thanksgiving we are giving to him. God knows if it comes from the heart or it's just because, okay, we learned in this message that we have to give thanks, so I'll give thanks. Is it a heartfelt thanks or is it just a polite thanks to God? What kind of thanksgiving do you believe God seeks from us? I'm sure you already know the answer, what God is looking for us with a a genuine thanksgiving. We're going to be in Ephesians 5 here for just a little bit. And I want to actually give a context to this, all right? So we're going to actually read 15 through 21 here in Ephesians 5. And here's what it says if you're following along in your text. Therefore, be careful how you walk. He means the way you live not as unwise, but as wise. And by the way, we get wisdom from God. Um, Really enjoying, a man I are enjoying with our uh, high school group, going through the book of Proverbs. I hope they're learning and enjoying that as well. But we're trying to make wise young men and women who make decisions based on what God thinks instead of what the world thinks. And I've heard them say some things that make me believe uh, they get it. Verse 16 says, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So here's some very clear direction on what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. In other words, it's wastefulness, it's recklessness. But be filled with the Spirit of God. So don't be controlled by outside substances, be controlled by the Spirit of God speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks. I want to emphasize the word always, always giving thanks on behalf of all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even our Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Now, I'm going to actually divide that verse up into three sections, uh, 20A, 20B, and 20C. And I want to start with the first part of that verse. And if you're following along in your bulletin, uh, the first point is this. Whatever comes your way in life, give thanks to God. Whatever comes your way in life, give thanks to God. Sometimes that's not easy to do, is it? Sometimes something's happened, you don't understand it, you don't know why God let it happen to you. Where is God? Why isn't he taking care of this? I prayed, he didn't answer, so, uh, and now you want me to give thanks for that? And the biblical answer is yes. Why? Well, because God is in control and God is sovereign. I will, uh, just uh, in terms of theological honesty, there is some debate among Bible scholars on the meaning of this command, and I'm talking just about always giving thanks uh, in all things. There are basically two views about it, and I want you to know what they are. Some people feel that this is a list of uh, participles, which we'll get, obviously, from verse 19 uh, as well, that this is a list of participles that outline for us the way the spirit-filled believer would live. And it could only be referring to giving thanks when there are times of blessing— not trouble or hardship. So the main difference here is, uh, yes, they both agree we should give thanks, uh, but what they are saying is that we don't believe God is ever asking you to thank him for anything bad that happened in your life. And so uh, you have to ask yourself, well, do I know anybody in the Bible that gave thanks for God for things that were not working out so well in their life? And apparently their answer is no. I don't understand that. But I think we're to take the other option. Others believe, Based on similar texts, that means both good things and bad things we should give thanks for. So let's uh, take a small excursus in the text here and go to Romans. And uh, let's see, that should be in your book, Romans 5, 3 to 5. And what I'm uh, trying to do here is I'm trying to uh, find some places that would give us a better idea of are we supposed to give thanks for even bad things or just good things? And here's what it says. Uh, I'm in Romans 5, 3. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. All right? Now, that isn't actually the word for uh, give thanks, but uh, the word exult, I think, even goes beyond that. All right? Maybe you could even say we should be glad about, we should rejoice in, we should be thankful uh, in, our, in our tribulations. Why? Knowing that tribulations bring about Perseverance. So one of the ways we have to look at these times in our life when God doesn't answer our prayer, when he doesn't give us what we want, one of the ways we have to look at that is, you know, God is teaching me something here. God is doing something to mold me and shape me, to help me to grow, to help me to get better. He's doing something to help me mature in my Christian walk. And that's most probably always always gonna be the truth. So not only this, we exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance. And obviously, perseverance is a good thing, but it leads to other things. If I build my perseverance, verse 4, I'm going to build proven character. Proven to who? Proven to God. So you have to stop and ask yourself, is my character proven to God? Am I who I am supposed to be? So perseverance, proven character, and then proven character, hope. And everybody needs hope, especially if things didn't turn out the way you wanted, especially if they're not what you were hoping for. And hope does not disappoint. So let me say a word about the biblical hope. In the Greek text, that word hope means a confident expectation. It's not, oh, wow, I, I just, I'm i just hoping, fingers crossed, that something happens. Now, we'd never cross our fingers, right? But that's what some people think. It may not happen. It probably won't happen, but I sure hope it does. In Christian literature, the word hope means I have an expectation it's going to take place and I have confidence that it's going to take place. That's what the Greek word means. We have a confident expectation that this is going to happen. And that's what I want you to think here. Hope does not disappoint. Now, maybe the situation you were in that you were asking for disappointed you, but what we're after is hope and hope does not disappoint. Because... The love of God has been poured out within our hearts. See, that's what hope does—that confident expectation, through the Holy Spirit, who was given to us as a gift, who was given to us as that gift of God. And and then let's uh, stop by. Uh, we're close there uh, to Colossians from our Ephesians passage, and look at Colossians three seventeen. where it says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Sometimes ministries aren't easy. Sometimes the things you do for God are not easy, and it causes trouble, and it causes disruption, and people don't like you. Uh, Not all the time, but sometimes it happens. So whatever you do in word or deed, you're doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ. There may be some hard times, but give thanks through Jesus to God, and that's how we do it, to God the Father, uh, in whatever we run across. And then another one, 1 Thessalonians. Again, not too far from where we're at. 1 Thessalonians 5. <clears throat> and verse 18. In everything give thanks. I don't know how you can be one of those uh, choice number one people who can look at the word everything and whatever and in all things and say, God doesn't mean everything when he says everything. In everything, give thanks. Why? Why should I give thanks for something happened to me that's bad or kept me from doing something I wanted to do or I got sick or I got this or that? Well, because in everything, God says, give thanks. It's a command. Why? because this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. I think that even in bad times, when you give thanks to God for something, it's going to change the way you're looking at this whole issue. It's going to change your attitude towards the whole issue. I maybe didn't like this, but I'm going to give thanks to God because he's in control and it's his will for me to do so and he has a plan. God has a plan for me and I'm going to take that and I'm going to work with it even though I maybe didn't get what I wanted. So uh, for this reason... And for the last one, especially, I believe uh, it is taught everywhere in the Bible that we should give thanks in every area of our life and everything that happens. Uh, Let's go back to that Old Testament guy, Job. And I think you know what we're going to read about, Job chapter 1. And I'm going to look down at uh, verses 20 and 21. Now, just as a reminder, I know you know this well, we've got Sabaeans that are coming against Job from the south. We have fire that's coming against Job from the west. We have Chaldeans that are coming against Job and his belongings from the north. And then we have a great wind that catches the house that all of his kids are celebrating in and having a feast in, drops the house on their heads and squishes them and kills every one of them. In light of that, and this has all happened in a short period of time, uh, some, of the, uh, some of the people watching the flocks that uh, some of these Sabaeans and these Chaldeans took and the fire took, some of them escape and they come back to tell Job one after another in rapid succession, uh, you just lost this many camels, you just lost this many sheep, you lost this many servants, and, and everything right after another, and then Satan saves his best for the last, and the house on your kids collapsed and they're all dead. Nobody was pulled out alive. Nobody was rescued. And so here's Job's response. Verse 20. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head. That's a sign of mourning. And he fell down on the ground. And notice it doesn't say he fell on the ground and he he wept. It says he fell on the ground and he what? He worshiped. And here's his attitude in verse 21. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I shall return there. Yahweh gave and Yahweh has taken away. You see the sovereignty of God bleeding through what he believes? Blessed be the name of Yahweh. Through all of this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. And I think if we get into a bad situation and we sin through it and we blame God, uh, then, then we have sinned by not being thankful. And Job is a good illustration of that as well. And we want to learn from that. Obeying this command to give thanks is going to first start with a decision. It's going to start with a choice on our parts that I'm going to do that. I need the attitude, God told me to do this in a bad situation or a good situation, so I'm going to, I'm going to comply. We have to make that decision every time God does something for us or to us. I'm going to give thanks. The word in Greek for give thanks carries the idea of having an obligation. To feel ob- obligated, it is further to express appreciation and benefit. So thanksgiving is an obligation to give thanks, and it is also to express appreciation for a benefit, even if the benefit, I can't tell the the right or wrong in it, I can't tell why it happened, if it was a bad thing, but in my in my life it's a benefit. God is building maybe perseverance, maybe hope, Is God in control of everything, and are His decisions for our good? Well, yeah, they are. Uh, Let's remind ourselves of that. I want you to see it in black and white. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know that God causes, notice, all things, good, bad, ugly, pretty, and we know that God causes all things to work together. See, it's, it's, a, it's a whole conglomeration of different wheels turning at the same time and different situations coming in at different times and things happening that you and I could never understand, but God sees it all. He sees perfectly how it's all working. So he tells us, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, and I know you love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. And I know by the way you do your ministry, you are called to do God's purposes in your life, so this is for you. And no matter what's happening today, and something might happen tomorrow, it doesn't matter because God is working all that together for your good and for my good. So do we have the attitude of Job that he had on that day when Satan's attack on him almost took everything that he had in the world? Are we secure in the sovereignty of God? Do we really believe He's in control of all things? Or do you think once in a while something bad happens because something accidentally got past God and got to me? Oh boy. Now that'd be wrong. Let's see what the Bible says about that in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy 32 and 39 I'll say it's one of my favorite verses on the sovereignty of God there's many more verse 39 says see now in other words stop would you pay attention would you listen God says I am he and there is no God besides me it is I who put to death and I give life And so that's our merism, our figure of speech of merism. We go from one extreme to the other extreme, and it includes everything in the middle of that. Between death and life, God says, I am in control of those, and everything in between. I have wounded, and it is I who will heal. And there is no one who can deliver from my hand. That seems very absolute, because it is. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and see how that worked out in Paul's life when God gave him a thorn in the flesh. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh. We don't really know what that is. We think it might be an eye problem because of other things Paul says. He gets a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. So God allowed it, Satan did it, to torment me. This is the Apostle Paul, to keep me from exalting myself, to keep me from getting proud. Well, he just finished talking about a vision where he was translated to heaven, and he saw all these wonderful things in heaven. And he was told there, there's things here you, you can't describe when you get back, and there's things you're not permitted to say. Well, what are those things? I don't know, but they're glorious. And he he gets a messenger of Satan to keep him from exalting himself. Concerning this, I implored, not just prayed, not just asked, I implored, I begged, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. Lord, heal me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. We're not all that fortunate that God says, here's why you have this sickness or here's why you have this problem or here's why you're going through that. But Paul did, Paul was able to hear from God what he was doing in his life. I don't want you to exalt yourself and I want people to see that it's not you that is the great apostle, it's me working through you because you allow that. Your weakness is God's strength. And maybe God does things to us once in a while for that reason. Dr. Honer said this by way of uh, Thanksgiving definition. Thanksgiving is for all, is for all things that come into the life into life's path, as opposed to dissatisfaction and complaints. In other words, when something comes along that isn't good, when something comes along that doesn't make me happy, I shouldn't be dissatisfied and utter complaints to God. It's still a time for Thanksgiving. So at all times, that word "all" is an adverb, and it's uh, it means all. For everything. The Greek here, the preposition means on behalf of or in behalf of. Whatever event is in my life, uh, I believe it is for my interest, for my well-being. And on behalf of that, I give thanks. I remember a young man when I was in high school. I don't know if he was a new Christian or not. But he went around 24 hours a day and all he could say every time something happened was praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. Something bad. Well, praise the Lord. Something good. Praise the Lord. But that's all he ever said. And it irritated me to death. I wanted to know, why don't you stop saying praise the Lord, which is a command, and do it. Why don't you tell people how good he is in this situation and what he's done? That's what praising the Lord is. How has he changed your life? Not just walking around saying, oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. God is not looking for us to just say thank you with an empty heart or in a vain and repetitious way. God wants a heartfelt thank you when he does things for us, no matter what it is. It certainly, I think what he did, cheapened the whole concept in my estimation of what it means to praise the Lord. Yes, young man, it would be good if you would do that. Tell people why he is so good. If you're going to say praise the Lord, say I'm about to praise the Lord, and here's what I want to tell you about God. And we need to be thankful in all situations. Let's, how about thanking him as well? Uh, when I was just a, a wee lad, I don't remember how old I was. Not very old, uh, so I won't say. But uh, I remember my mom and dad got a brand new kitchen table set, and they bought back then they bought these nice chairs and they had chrome legs on it, but the, because we were little kids, she bought the kind that had plastic over there, plastic covers, they're, that's what they're made out of, on the back and on the, you know, anybody seen those? Only old people, me and Noelle, that's it, okay. Well, they had plastic, oh thank you, we had plastic on the back. And I was curious one day by myself, what's inside there? And I uh, went and got a chair, pulled it up to the knife drawer, and I got myself out a nice butcher knife. And I went to the back of one of those chairs, and I cut about a five-inch slit in that chair. And I pulled it open. It was like a wool-like substance, and then some kind of a padding thing. And I thought, I never would have guessed that was in there. And I thought, do you suppose the seat's the same way? So I took my knife. By the way, kids, you don't do this at home, okay? I'm a professional. Don't, don't try this at home. you get in trouble. I cut the seat open about that far. And lo and behold, it had the same stuff in it. And being an intellectual at that age and thinking about scientific experimentation, it would be incomplete if I didn't find out if all the other chairs were exactly like that. So I proceeded around the table in a very scientific clockwise motion, and I cut the backs, checked it, cut the seats, checked it, and they were all the same. Successful experiment, except for one thing. I decided, would that woolly stuff in there burn So I went and got some matches and uh, I lit the match and I pulled some of that fuzzy stuff out and I held the match there. I could not get it to burn. I didn't realize the the term was fire fire retardant. I just couldn't get it to burn. I did melt the plastic in a big black patch. And I thought, you know, I think we've gone far enough and I don't need to burn every chair. So I didn't. When my mom got home, she had lost her chair-like demeanor and I could tell she was so mad that I was in big big trouble in my family we got spankings for everything or she'd wait for the worst thing wait until dad when he got home and then really get it she was ticked off she was mad and she never spanked me she looked at me didn't even raise her voice very much she didn't spank, me, and she took off down to her bedroom and I thought well this is not the way this works this is fantastic. You know, I asked her later, why didn't you spank me? She said, because I knew before God, if I got a hold of you, I'd have killed you on that day. <laughs> now, that's an illustration of not giving thanks in every situation. I, on the other hand, was very thankful for the way it turned out. I didn't get a spanking. <laughs> now, it's kind of silly, but I, I shouldn't have done it. She had to make covers for all that. She thought, I'm not going to get new chairs because he'll just cut them up. But... <laughs> In all things give thanks. you ever think about the fact that even in something like that, an everyday thing, or maybe not so everyday, but something just happens, you're mad at one of the kids because they did something like that, and you didn't give thanks. Now, I'm not saying you have to do it in front of them, or that you don't have to spank them, or whatever you do. But in all things give thanks. Even that. And I want to also say, in good times we should give thanks. So in the second part of verse 20, we give thanks, we learn, in the name of Jesus. And this is a common prepositional phrase among us. For example, uh, we pray things like in Jesus' name, uh, we walk and live in Christ, we die in Christ, or we tell the truth in Christ, or we triumph in Christ, we say that. We pray in Christ's name, may have a couple of different forms. It may mean that we give thanks as one who is in the sphere of Christ, as one of his children, or Dr. Honer says, uh, he takes it this way, we channel or funnel or go through, we channel our thanksgiving through Christ, both options may apply. His name stands for who he is and what is true about him and his character. We should use his name in that respectful way. We understand that we can have access to the Father because we are in Christ and we are his sons and his daughters and we are welcome to come into God's presence. How does God want his children to come? especially if something not so happy has happened. We even call ourselves by his name. We say we're Christians. Do we live up to that? Can people tell? We remember that no one comes to the Father except through Jesus, and we came. We're so so thankful. But our thanks should not be given through any other person, nor through any other name. Noel likes to watch the series Alone, and up until one of the last ones last year, I have never heard anyone give thanks to God. I don't know if they tell them, don't, don't get religious on us, don't give thanks. I don't know what, what it is, but they thank the earth, they thank the land, they thank the fish that they just killed, or they thank the, thank the animal they just killed to eat. And they say, I thank you, dear animal, for giving me your, your, your life. And the issue is who made all these things? We worship the creature rather than the creator. Romans 1.25 says that. God is sovereign over all, creator of all, so let's only give thanks through Jesus Christ to the Father. And then in the last part of the verse, thanks goes through Christ to God our Father. Webster's Dictionary says that thanks is basically gratitude. It is being conscious of a benefit received and being grateful. Well, we have to ask... Am I conscious of the fact that every good and perfect gift comes down to me because of the Father? And just so you uh, understand, and I understand that that's uh, biblical that we do that. Of course, i got to get in the right book. Hang on. It says, and I think this is in your text as well, James 1.17. Every good thing given and every perfect gift And by the way, bad things can fit into a perfect gift if it's from God for you and me. Comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. We should also love each other and thank God when he does good things for them as well. Are you really happy and thankful to God when somebody else that maybe you're not that close to gets an answer to prayer? Do you really stop and thank God for it? We should. Thank God. Don't take good things or bad things for granted. We sometimes have a great need in our life. Maybe no one else will listen. Maybe no one else will help us. We have this great need. And we get to where we're anticipating it all the time. We're thinking about it all the time. And we get some fear of the unknown or anxiety about it. And we pray and we pray. We ask others to pray. And then God answers our prayer. And he gives us a great gift, which is the answering of our prayer. And then sometimes we say, whoo, I'm glad that's over with. And sometimes we even say, I'll I'll remember to thank God tonight when I go home. Or we give a quick sigh of relief and we just go about our day like, God, you know, you're supposed to do that anyway. So that's not the way it should be and we know it. Sometimes we forget altogether. How big does something have to be in your life before you give God thanks for it? How great does it have to be? What about the little things? Like Noel and I were helping my son with his cabinets in Manhattan. I knew we were going to drive home in the dark. We saw two deer, and they were both standing on the upper side of the ditches and not running like they're supposed to be running this time of year. I think God did that, because that's not the way deer act this time of year. They just run out and hit cars. And I thanked him for that. I said, I, that doesn't happen. I'm, I'm thanking you. This is from you. What is your habit about thanksgiving? What, what do you do? Does it have to be a great big thing, and yeah, you'll give thanks, or a little thing? Uh, lots of times when I'm praying for people in the church and my own family or something like that, uh, if it was a big deal, I'm in here on my knees giving thanks. If I'm out away from here and something happens, somebody gets an answer to prayer or something good happens, I give a word of thanks. What do you think God wants his children to do? Give thanks. Noelle's mom made it very clear to our kids, if I don't start getting thank you notes when I give you Christmas gifts, there ain't gonna be any more Christmas gifts. And she meant it. Guess who all started being thankful? Are you thankful? So my habit is with big things, he gets a great big heartfelt thank you. And with little things, he gets a great big heartfelt thank you. And I know you know that too. And you've learned it. The issue is, do we always do it? No matter what. In everything, give thanks. I have a couple of, uh, three things I want to end with. First of all, we choose to be alert to the benefits God provides us every day, all day long. That's how we do this. We choose every day to be watching for the benefits God gives us, whether they're good or bad, to watch those things that God gives us, and we give thanks. We believe that our lives are not dependent on food and air alone or oxygen. We live because of God's decree, so we thank Him. Thank Him for everything. We even thank Him for the things we think we have achieved. (laughs) That's why he got after Paul. Number two, our attitude in bad times is, let's use Job, blessed be the name of the Lord. And thirdly, we are those who are not lax in expressing our gratitude to our Father, who loves and cares for us every second of every day, from our first heartbeat to our last. Let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we know that by giving thanks, we are recognizing out of whose hand we are eating, out of whose hand we get money to pay bills, and out of whose hand we get life to live. Everything depends on you. We know that you hold this entire creation together. And without your power, it would not be. So we give you thanks with every breath, no matter what you bring our way, knowing that you're in control. And we trust that. We trust you. And we love you. And we thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen.